0: Dario Yeganovich, thanks for being here. Well, it's Monday morning. Thanks for having me again, Jay. Well, it's Monday morning. It's it's, uh, entering the winter here in Toronto, uh, although today it's raining. Um, And we always ask folks from Can Delta on Monday mornings uh, a question uh, many times generated from our audience. This one, I couldn't help but laugh when it came in because the phrase PCP was in it, but that's not what they're asking about. Uh, The question is, what is a preventative control plan. That's definitely not the PCP that I thought they were asking about, but what is a preventative control plan?
1: (laughs) Sure, yeah. Um, The preventative control plan is a really important uh, aspect of document control and and record keeping that uh, is associated with cannabis processors on the federal level. Um, These are are required for any processor who's uh, doing any activities that uh, involve uh, cannabis extracts as well as cannabis edibles. Uh, the, the PCP is basically a document that was adapted from the food industry and was incorporated into the regulations after the the launch of the 2.0 products. The, the PCP is is based on uh, principles from uh, principles from the food industry, where they they use uh, HACCP or, or the hazard analysis and critical control points. Um, this is a common practice in in food, where it, it, it's an analysis of your entire process and. Uh, and your procedures in production and it, it has to do with evaluating and detecting any of the risks that are involved um, with the with the production process and they call these hazards um, so the hazards that are involved are any any chemical biological or physical hazards that can be introduced into the uh, into the product during the production and it's meant to protect the cons- the end consumer um, so uh, an example of that could be um, if there's a a step in your production process that could potentially introduce uh, some kind of microbiological contaminants into your process. So that's something that the preventative control plan would identify and would also propose uh, control measures in order to mitigate that risk. And so this is is something that was again adopted from food. And the reason why they have this in food is because food doesn't necessarily have all of the particular testing requirements. You don't have to test every uh, food uh, from a third-party lab uh, before releasing it for sale to the consumer market. So if you imagine, if you're making something like uh, pre-made uh, frozen chicken breasts, for instance, uh, it's very important to identify certain steps that are going to mitigate the risk of introducing salmonella to the, uh, to the consumer. And so important factors are, are things like uh, time spent in the oven and, you know, temperature. Um, so those are just an example of how it was, how it was used in, in food. And so they brought that over during the, uh, the 2.0 products introduction, uh, and, and basically for the reason of, uh, making sure that when you're producing edibles, which are effectively a, a type of food, um, that you have all these control measures in place and that you've identified hazards in order to, you know, prevent any kind of introduction of these hazards into your, into your cannabis products, which could inevitably impact the, the end consumer. And so the important thing to remember is that, you know, every processor, when they now every processor that applies for a cannabis license, they do sign an attestation uh, as part of their application process, which um, effectively uh, attests that any activities that they conduct with extracts or edibles moving forward um, will be controlled by a preventative control plan. And so it's very important that before you start those kind of activities that you have one in place that's activated and you know ready to mitigate these hazards.
0: Well, it makes sense. It's one of the key differentiators between uh, sort of the regulated market and the unregulated market for sure. Um, I have a question because I, I, you're gonna tell me exactly because I, I only sort of know, but are there changes coming to this whole process? And I think it's like March, 2021, like the transitional changes to this process and how will that affect, <laughs> I keep laughing when I say the PCP, but how will that affect PCP? <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, so I, I think what you're referring to is the, the transitional changes that uh, were, were put in place back when they introduced the, the, the 2.0 regulations, where um, there was a, a one-year period uh, where they were transitioning out from uh, the previous uh, cannabis class of cannabis oils and uh, converting them into Uh, cannabis extracts. And so they gave uh, producers a one year uh, uh, transitional period in order to modify and adapt their products in order to move them from uh, the cannabis oils uh, into the cannabis extracts, and the reason why they gave this time period was because there are some uh, key differentiating factors um, it, between those two product classes in terms of, you know, quantities that are allowable, um, as well as the the packaging and labeling and things like that. Uh, but a- another very important one is the the testing, and so that's been a big uh, uh, a big source of confusion for a lot of producers is how is the how are these changes going to affect their their testing, and so the testing. Is- is a very important part of the PCP as well, and so we've we, we've seen a, a lot of producers already um, sort of adapt the uh, their their cannabis oils and, and place them under a PCP so that they're controlled um, in that manner, and and then that transition into extracts becomes a little bit easier. But um, now that the transitional changes, which were supposed to, uh, you know, the deadline was supposed to be back in October of this year on the 16th, uh, now it's moved. Uh, up to to march of 2021 and i think a lot of it is because health canada realized that there is a little bit of confusion from from producers on on how to uh, effectively adapt these changes so at that point every cannabis oil that you have in your um in your product inventory will have to be converted into a cannabis extract class which would mean that all of them would have to be controlled by uh, a preventive control plan
0: great well this has been you know, we, we taught are the business of cannabis, and you are Can Delta. Uh, it's not often we get to talk about PCP. Um, see, I keep making the same joke over and over again. It's not funny, um, but I, but I appreciate your time this morning because this is these are important. Um, Uh, differentiators between the the sort of regulated and unregulated market. These are important uh, sort of scientific and regulatory things you actually have to do uh, for the control measures, as well as in March, sort of the transition from oils to extracts uh, is super important, which is why folks like you um, are so important to know and so important for us to check in with and, and for our audience to hear. So Dario, as always on Monday mornings, we appreciate the time of the Can Delta team and thank you this morning for checking in.
1: Yeah, thank you very much, Jay. And I I just want to mention to anybody uh, watching right now, um, we understand that this transitional period is, you know, very confusing and tough to to interpret. So um, feel free to reach out if you you need some clarification from us. So give us a call and uh, we'll we'll talk to you anything about the transitional changes affecting your testing or affecting your PCP uh, anytime. So thank you, Jay, again, happy to be here.
0: Great, have a great week. We'll uh, check in with you next week. Thanks, Dario. Cheers.